What were the social benefits? What were the transferable skills? Um, you know, we, we, we talk about pushing our comfort zones and going into a new culture where we don't understand what's happening and we don't know the people and we don't know the, the, the customs. That's basically starting a new job, right? Where we go into a company or an organization, corporate or otherwise, and we have to learn a bit of a new language. We have to learn, a, you know, new etiquette. This is Your Career GPS. The podcast designed to help teens, young adults, students, new graduates, and emerging professionals navigate their career journey. And your journey starts now. Welcome back to Your Career GPS. Once again, uh, it is Brad Minton here with Cassie Spencer, and we are so excited. We are coming off an amazing episode that I just loved. I, I soaked up so much value from our recent topic with David Mendoza, where we talked about all things international students and some of the challenges that they deal with coming into the United States or coming into North America and in Canada and uh, some, so many of the challenges that they encounter, uh, not just in school, but transitioning out of school. And we are really, really excited today because we're actually taking this into a part two. We're going next level with this and actually talking about all things international, but in reverse. So we're actually focusing on uh, the lives and the challenges of students who are, are traveling, uh, living abroad and studying abroad. And uh, we have a fantastic guest that we're so excited to bring on. So Cassie, can you introduce her? Yes, I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. And I'll just throw a, a personal plug in there. Um, our guest Nadia and I have worked together. We've presented together on a virtual conference that we did and just a really phenomenal professional, so much advice and information. So super excited for this episode and, and to be diving into a part two of how international experience can really benefit job seekers and recent grads. So to introduce you to Nadia, Nadia Ibrahim Taney is the founder and principal career coach of Beyond Discovery Coaching. She's an experienced higher education administrator with a prestigious tenure working with students in the United States and the United Kingdom. Her credentials include a Bachelor's of Science Administration of Justice and Sociology from the University of Louisville, a Master's of Education in Higher Education Administration from Suffolk University, a Master's of Arts in Education Leadership and Management from Roehampton University in London, England, and other credentials, including being a certified holistic coach. As an American who completed a degree in the UK, Nadia has firsthand knowledge and expertise on how to effectively leverage an international degree in the US market and really optimizing the opportunities to land interviews and negotiate higher salaries. Since starting Beyond Discovery Coaching, Nadia has welcomed clients from all career levels, including folks who've been laid off, parents returning to the workforce, and clients wanting to explore more diverse identities in the workplace. No matter where you're at in your career, Nadia is interested in hearing your story and exploring how coaching can help you. Welcome to the podcast, Nadia. 
Thank you so much, everyone. Gosh, when you stack it all up, it sounds like I actually had some intentionality with my career <laughs> um, and there was some strategy, but um, I can 100% guarantee you that was not the case. So, <laughs> well, well, we are. I'm thoroughly impressed. Yes, thoroughly we are impressed. so excited to, to have you here. And, and like Brad said at the beginning, definitely a long time coming. And I'm so excited to dive into all of your expertise and the information that you can provide our listeners. But before we get into that, can you share? a little bit more about your background and and how it has kind of fueled your work into starting your own coaching business and everything else that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So it really, for me, um, college was super pivotal, just personally. Um, it's where I met my partner. Um, it's where I found my identity or developed my identity um, and where I found out that you could actually work at a university for a living. Um, I was like, oh, I thought you people just like didn't get jobs and you just hung out here, like, or that you were just like students too. Um, I had a fantastic academic advisor um, and, and a study abroad advisor at Louisville, um, and it completely changed the trajectory of my career. You know, I came into college, administration of justice, sociology, and and was planning on going to law school. Um and then I did a study abroad. And then I started talking with more academic advisors and other administrators at the university. Um, and, and at the time, Louisville had an amazing student personnel master's degree. And just learning more about the field of higher education, um, that it was its own industry. It had a business model. There was things in which you could do with it beyond just being a student and a teacher. Um, so that for me was was pretty pivotal. Um, and then like all good millennials, I graduated during the last recession <laughs> um, and took a year to try to find a job unsuccessfully and um, entered a master's program at Suffolk University in Boston. Um, so on the flip side of that, Boston, amazing city for higher education, just amazing city in general, but but particularly for industry um, and just being able to go to school, to work, to have some of that industry-based experience um, and really kind of focusing in on what I wanted to do. Um, I tried for a couple of years unsuccessfully to work and study abroad. Um, it's an extraordinarily small field, extraordinarily small, even within the field of education. Um, and everybody that I knew who worked in study abroad knew like nine languages and had been to 14 countries by the time they were eight, you know, and I was just over here like, oh, well, you know, um, I was just, you know, doing the two week summer study abroad and it was really pivotal and, you know, <laughs> trying to, you know, make it be this grandiose experience. Um, and it just was unsuccessful. And like I said, you know, when, when you kind of read my credentials, um, it's really nice to kind of hear it all in its totality, because I think so often when we think about our career, it, it's so short-sighted and in the moment of like going from job to job or degree to degree, and you don't take a step back and like actually look at, wow, all of these you know, failures or all of these misdirections or, you know, however you want to look at it, growth opportunities, if you want to take a positive spin, um, have really led me to where I am today. So um, I eventually did end up working in study abroad, which was great. I did an international degree in London, England, and all of those things um, 
just kind of came about because I didn't try to fight the current. Like I tried, put myself out there. It didn't work. Cool. What's next? Right. Um, and, and that's kind of been a staple of my career of not necessarily just going where the wind takes you, but just being mentally open, emotionally open, both physically in terms of geographic location, but then also mentally um, in, in terms of, you know, taking functional areas of education that I've never considered before. Um, and that's how I ended up in career coaching. <laughs> um, I'd never done career coaching at all, let alone at a university. Um, and, and I came in working here in Ohio um, in a college of business. Um, and it was very, very intense in terms of understanding business students, understanding career coaching. Um, and I was like, yeah, if I can do this, you know, 40 hours a week, I think I can start my own business. Um, and then the little thing called the pandemic happened. Um, and and that just really gave me the mental clarity to really kind of just come to whatever moment, right? The powers that be, the higher being or the universe or whatever, and to say, like, what do I want from work? Um, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of designing your life, which which I know is a, a very popular career pathing um, book. I, I teach it at my university. I use it personally. I use it with clients. Um, I use it with students. Um and I gotta, I gotta walk the walk of what I talk, right? And so I did my DYL exercises, and it just kept coming back to, um, I like what I do. I just want to look at it from a different perspective, work with different clients, um, you know, have some more flexibility in terms of the type of coaching that I can do. Um, you know, all three of us have worked at universities in a career coaching capacity before, and it's quite restrictive. Um, so to be able to have a different type of relationship, a different type of accountability and motivation partnering with a private client versus, you know, working at a university um, gave me the flexibility and and really fulfillment that I was looking for. Um, and then Beyond Discovery Coaching kind of came. Um, I was sitting at home, um, binge watching some Star Trek series, some movies, and I was like, okay, discovery is very important in coaching, right? No matter what type of coaching, um, we, we often talk about discovery calls and discovering our passions, discovering our, our motivations, and our interests. Um, and I happened to be watching Star Trek Discovery, the series. And um, the next thing that came up on my recommended was Star Trek Beyond, the, the film. And I was like, Beyond Discovery. I was like, damn, that's good. I was like, I better write that down. <laughs> Sat on it for like three months, did absolutely nothing with it. Um, Star Trek's <laughs> always been a very um, influential part of my life um, as a child, just just thinking about the world beyond. Um, and it really was a quite motivating factor for me to even do my first study abroad, to live abroad, to work abroad, um, and to learn abroad. And um, yeah, people always ask me, how'd you come up with the Beyond Discovery? I'm like, how much time do you have? <laughs> so many relatable things in your story uh, that I think a lot of people can anchor into. One of the the keys for me that I heard was uh, a word that you used. You said openness, and you know I, I think particularly nowadays, as uh, as we're kind of going through this COVID world and everything's a little bit crazy, you know there is a lot of talk about the value of college and the value of higher education, and I think that's one of the the things that for anybody who's worked in that industry or who's gone through it, who's uh, gotten a higher level of education, uh, can attest to. If you come into it with that mind frame and that openness, 
it's just the world is your oyster. I mean, it is really there and accessible to you to build and create and uh, discover, <laughs> going back to another word you're bringing up, you know, who you are and who you're going to become. And I think uh, you're a living testament of that. And you were very open to those experiences and you got a lot from it. You know, in kind of pivoting now into um, the topic of today for our students who are uh, studying abroad currently or have intention to or maybe have already uh, completed, you know, you've had a lot of experience in working with them. So, you've kn you know a little bit about the challenges. So, what are the common themes that come up that you see time and again in terms of what they're faced with? I, I've, I've had a few different experiences. You know, um, I totally picked my undergrad study abroad because I wanted to be A, in the summer, B, in the Mediterranean, and C, definitely on a beach. Um, that was my pure motivation. It was my fourth um, year into my fifth year. Um, I was already 21. Um, I was like, all right, yeah, let's let's do some electives and, and go to Europe for a summer, right? When I did my second study abroad, it was actually a two-week experience with Clemson University in South Carolina, and I had never, and still to this day, have never set foot on Clemson University's campus, um, but I did it as a higher education program. So when I was at Suffolk University, um, they had an open trip um, led by faculty from Clemson um, where we got to go and tour, you know, five, 10, um, higher ed institutions in the UK. Um, and for me, that was very intentional, right? It was very, um, aligned with what I wanted to do with my career. It, it was a great way to obviously see the UK and, and to experience a different form of higher education, um, which ultimately led me to coming back to England, um, and, and doing my degree in London. So I, I think the hard thing is figuring Figuring out what do you want from your international experience, right? Um, again, when I was, you know, 20, 21, it was the beach and it was my girlfriends who were also going on the trip um, and, and friends that I knew from my university. And then with my second study abroad, um, I didn't know anyone on the program. And we were made up of people from all over the United States. Um, and we were just kind of thrown together into this experience. Um, so to your point, Brad, like going back to the openness of it, um, neither experience was better or worse than the other. They, they both fulfilled a need um, for where I was in my life at the time. And then even doing, you know, a full year abroad, doing a full master's degree abroad, fulfilled a need at the time that I had in my career and personal life. Um, so I think the biggest challenge is just doing some of that self-reflection of like, why are you doing this experience? What is your interest? Um, what are you trying to get out of it? Like anything, I wouldn't say you need to go as, as, as far as having a smart goal with your study abroad, um, but definitely have some intentionality because the last thing you want to do is just pay a whole bunch of money, sign up for something. And then, you know, two weeks or a month or a semester later, you're kind of like, eh, it was an all right experience. Um, and you don't use it in your professional career. You don't use it in interviews or LinkedIn and you don't network with it. Amazing points, amazing points. And, and you're absolutely right, because I know in my experience, I'm sure, Cassie, you've had similar experiences. We get that. We get those conversations coming. Out. Oh, yeah, I'd love I'd love to do a summer in France. You know, you know, I mean, <laughs> but you know, there's got to be there's got to be some some intention behind it. There there really needs to be, 
you know, uh, a net gain that, that you're going to get from it, not just from the experience in and of itself, but how are you going to be a better version of yourself out of it? And so I love that point. Well, you know, one of the things that tends to, to come up um, as well is just being in a new culture, uh, just being around a different group of individuals and not being used to those surroundings, uh, adapting to now having to put your language skills to use uh, if you are in that process as well. And that could, you know, uh, serve a lot of different challenges. So, you know, for individuals who are uh, in the midst of that, who are um, now transitioning into a study abroad, going overseas, how can they work through those, those adjustments to the culture? You know, what are some ways that they can cope with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, culture shock is real. Uh, <laughs> um, we 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 teach that to students um, when they're leaving, um, usually in pre-departure orientations and whatnot. That you're going to go through this super super exciting phase of the honeymoon where everything is new, everything's fresh, you're super excited to be there. You don't know what they're saying, but you're just happy to be there, right? And then with every high, there comes the low. Um, it's it's definitely in the low periods that you got to tag in your squad, right? For me, in all of my study abroads, my international experiences, it was friends, it was family. Um, it was things like Facebook Messenger, um, Instagram, where I could jump on that, that wasn't my cell phone plan because I was abroad, but but I could find digital ways to stay connected with people that knew me and I knew them. I would also say, um, just put yourself out there. Um, you know, I, I, you know, with with my degree abroad um, in in London, um, London's a fantastic city. It is expensive, but there are so many free things to do. Um, and on the days that it was raining or it was gray or it was Thanksgiving and there was American holidays that weren't celebrated in the UK, um, those were the days that I got out the most. You know, where I pushed myself to, yeah, I needed to study, but that didn't mean I. I had to go to the library at school. I could go to the Victoria and Albert Museum with this like wonderful, like Victorian old Gothic cafe and just appreciate what I am doing. Right. So really getting like quite present with yourself. Um, I, I, I never recommend, you know, just go to a pub and strike up a conversation with a local. Uh, I, I think we fantasize that that's what study abroad is like. Um, you know, I, I was abroad a couple of times during the World Cup, and that was super cool because it was that environment um, where I found a whole bunch of Americans or Canadians or Italians and just jumped on their ba bandwagon of soccer, football watching. Um, and it was super fun. Um, do I talk to any of those people now that I met in a bar? Absolutely not. Um, but it was a moment in time and it was cool. And I could say, hey, cool, I had a great experience. Um, so I would say it's it's one of those that it sounds easier to do than it is to actually execute. But in the times when you need to get out, those are the times to do it. Um, and, and be the change, right? Like, you know, when you're in a study abroad program, you're often with other people. And a lot of times people are just waiting for someone to take the lead. Um, so don't be shy and like asking other people, Hey, do you guys want to go out to dinner? Do you guys want to get a coffee? Do you want to go to the show? Just, just get out. Maybe just even go for a walk. Um, doesn't have to be paid activities. It can be hundred percent free. Um, but people just want to be invited to things. 
I feel like I'm just beaming over here through the computer because <laughs> I also studied abroad in London and I'm just like flooded uh, with so many memories as you say that and a lot of funny parallels because I went just as the 2012 Olympics were coming to a close. So similar of kind of those big cultural events that are happening and um, just thinking about a lot of walks that I took because yeah, I needed a break from studying, but didn't want to, you know, go do something else. So I love all of that advice so much. And I think that's really practical um, advice to be giving students who are thinking about going abroad, or if anyone's listening while you're abroad, hopefully you, you got the headphones in and you're walking around whatever city uh, you're in. And I want to kind of transition a little bit to when students come back from being abroad and maybe even a year or so after they've come back. And they're starting to get into that job search and really thinking about how that international experience can help them stand out. And I know for me, it was it was on my resume. I actually think it still is that I studied abroad in London and it came up in interviews. But other than just being a talking point, based on your experience, how can students really use this experience to help them stand out and to set themselves apart when they're job searching? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of what we talked about, you know, of going abroad, having that culture shock, um, the reverse culture shock is real too. Um, I remember when my wife and I were moving back from the UK to Boston, um, we did a 14 night transatlantic cruise. At the time, it was the cheapest way to get home and we had like 47 bags. So we were like, great, we're not going to fly. And it, and it was the first time in, in over a year that we had been around that many Americans. And we were at dinner one night and, and we were very quiet. And both of us kind of looked at each other and we were like, I could literally start making a list right now of all the things that Americans do that annoy the heck out of me now that we've lived abroad for a year. I don't know how people do this the entire life, right? <laughs> Um, and it was true, right? It's just, you know, you become assimilated into the culture. Um, I remember waiting for an elevator and literally like four people just totally cut me. And I'm like, dude, this is the queue. I'm waiting for the elevator. Get back here. Um, so I, I, I think with that, know that you will care about your international experience more than any of your friends any of your family, any of your social media network, um, that for the most part, you went and had this amazing transformative experience and other people did not. Um, so I, I'm always very mindful of, you know, how excited I get about, you know, being abroad and, and you know, posting and, and saying like, oh my gosh, you should totally go abroad, like, you know, indoctrinating the next generation. Um, just because A, I know it's not for everybody. And then B, I know that I uniquely care because it has been so transformative for me. Um, with that, I will say originally when I started job searching, when I came back from the UK, I never really incorporated my abroad experience. Um, I always focused it on the education and my credentials, um, being a career academic, um, just, just, you know, banking on the fact that good grades equals good job. Um, and that didn't really help me. <laughs> um, I, you know, took a couple months and, you know, really had to re-strategize 
how I talked about being abroad and what were the social benefits, what were the transferable skills. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about pushing our comfort zones and going into a new culture where we don't understand what's happening and we don't know the people and we don't know the, the, the customs. That's basically starting a new job, right? Where we go into a company or an organization, corporate or otherwise, and we have to learn a bit of a new language. We have to learn, a, you know, new etiquette. And, you know, do I reply? all to an email or no, that's not a thing. Cool, cool, cool. Good to know. And, and so there's a lot of parallels and, and transferables from study abroad and international education, but you do need to incorporate it quite strategically. Otherwise, it just sounds like you went to London, England for a year, you know, bopping around pub to pub during the World Cup, right? Um, for me, I, I definitely leveraged it quite heavily on LinkedIn, um, so I had talked and posted a lot of articles, um, and, and just shared my experience with my network and, and made very strong connections between my abroad experience and coming home, what that was like, um, how, you know, education was similar, it was different, um, how that opportunity has prepared me to come back to the U.S. and, and continue working and study abroad. And, and, and yeah, just, just being casual with it, but strategic with it, right? Like not blah, blah, blah in your face. Oh my God, study abroad's the best thing in the world. But also um, that there was some intentionality there and, and, and some transferable elements. One of the things that I say a lot, which uh, is definitely what you're speaking to right now is just owning it, not running away from it, but saying this was a part of my story. And let me tell you about how that made me a better person. Let me tell you about what I took away from it and added to my skills to be able to represent an organization, to be able to come in, you know, that adaptability, that learning on the fly, that culture shock, all of those things that really are resiliencies that you have to build up, but are crucial, you know, in, in the workplace. So absolutely love that. So one of the things that you know, we did want to talk about was sort of this networking component, uh, specifically, you know, for for current students, right, that are um, feeling stuck, feeling like they lack that network. What maybe are some some tips that you would give for individuals who really need to expand their network uh, in a situation where um, where they feel very limited? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, for me, in terms of networking, I've never found success at university career fairs or huge, big 50,000 person conferences. Um, I am extroverted, um, but I, I definitely want to go back to the hotel room after, you know, a 12 hour day of conferencing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so for me, I've always found more benefit from direct person-to-person connectivity, LinkedIn, um, word of mouth, you know, kind of connections. Um, I think as well, um, one of the things that I got really intentional about when I did come back from the UK was really shifting my mindset around what networking was. Um, at, up until that point, networking equaled getting a job. So I always went into it with a very strategic agenda of who am I reaching out to? Why am I reaching out to them? What do I want from them? Um, and when I came back from the UK, I, I had this story to tell, right, of being abroad for a year and having that experience 
Um, and so I found just by putting out my story um, and, and my platform was LinkedIn, um, that as opposed to chasing things um, really flipping it and trying to attract things and or people was way more successful than any strategy I used. Um, so, you know, just putting myself out there saying, hey, this is my story. This is what I'm about. If that resonates with you, let's talk. I had lots of people reach out to me, um, like, you know, Cassie, where it's like, oh, you study in London too, girl? Yeah, let's talk about it. And like London was the jumping off point. Um, and then it's like, okay, what other things do we have in common? Or how can we see a way forward? Forward that we might be able to collaborate or work together. Sometimes it doesn't happen within a week, a month, a year. Um, you know, it takes time. Um, so that type of networking is a little bit more long game, right? Where you are putting yourself out there, you are attracting, not chasing, um, and you know, you're you're representing something, a vibe, a brand, however you want to classify it, and people are going to resonate with that or not. Right. And and when people pick up on what you're putting down, you just have to give them opportunities to reach out to you. So, you know, give them a CTA, as we would say in marketing, right, a call to action. If you like what you're hearing, DM me. If you're down with this, let's chat. Um, if you want to talk more about study abroad, my email is nadia at beyonddiscoverycoaching.com, right? Always follow it up with a way that people can decide for themselves if they're interested in networking with you. Um, so do you have something to offer that someone is actually interested in or finds value in and let them make the first move? Not to say that you can't do some aggressive offensive networking, which, which would be a little bit more company or organization specific, like, hey, I'm specifically reaching out to you, Brad, because I know you're on a podcast and I want to be on your podcast. Cool. Clear objectives, clear agenda. You know, we can make that happen, right? Um, but I think that if you're a little apprehensive and you don't have a big network or identified people within your network who can help you move forward, just put yourself out there. Um, say, hey, I'm open. And if this resonates with you, I want to have a chat. I really like how you described that in terms of networking. And I, I think like with most things, there's a balance, right, in how we network. Um, but kind of playing that long game with networking, and just like you're saying, putting yourself out there, giving that call to action, just so powerful. And I know Brad and I have talked about networking and LinkedIn and, and other things like that before, but that type of networking can lead to just really fruitful and beneficial and mutually beneficial relationships that aren't just like hey, tell me about your company. I want a job there. Um, so I definitely appreciate hearing that. And I think just us having this conversation right now is such a good example of how that really authentic and, and genuine networking can lead to additional things. So as we kind of slowly start to wrap up here, I feel like we've covered a lot of really great things about the benefits of international experience and different ways to really think about your international experience, whether our listeners have already gone and come back or currently abroad or are thinking about going abroad. We've covered a lot, but do you have any resources that you use in your work with individuals who are either looking to then work or study abroad or who've come back, just like your top resources that you would share with our listeners? Yeah, I would say um, definitely work with a resume writer um, and an interview coach. Um, uh, there are loads of folks, um, all three of us have done all of those things, um, but it really is important for you to control the narrative on how you want to position your international experience. 
On the other side of that, I do work with folks who do want to live and work abroad like I did. Um, so I, I have worked with students and other professionals um, who have taken virtual opportunities abroad. Um, we're definitely getting into the era of work from anywhere. Um, so a lot of people are, are focusing more on virtual and remote jobs. Um, and every month they're in a new country or, you know, the power of, you know, Airbnb or hostels or whatever, um, that you can work from anywhere now. Um, so I think, you know, traditional career coaching is never a bad thing. Um, having a partner who has experienced some of the things that you are wanting to do or interested in doing, um, an accountability and motivation partner, um, going abroad, living abroad, studying abroad, all of those things take time, resource, energy. Um, it is not something that you should just book a ticket to Brazil tomorrow and, and figure it out when you get there, right? Um, for many countries, there are a lot of visa regulations. Um, you know, obviously, you need things like healthcare and travel insurance and all that stuff. Um, so I do think working um, with a private coach probably makes the most sense. With that, though, um, use your network. Um, a lot of the reason that I ended up studying at Roehampton in London was because of the people I knew. I had a faculty member who had done research at Roehampton. I knew two people, um, higher ed folks um, that I met through LinkedIn and Instagram um, just by following people's hashtags. <laughs> and I was like, hey, cool. What's this university I've never heard of in London? Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, they have a higher ed program. Cool, cool, cool. I want to know more about that. And you just get turned on to things um, and you find ways forward. And that's my biggest piece of, ad you know, advocacy for kind of people looking, no matter what part of your career you're in, right? There is like a 99.99% probability somebody has done what you want to do um, going forward before you, right? And so you just need to find these people, put yourself out there, attract and chase. Um, like you said, Cassie, have a balance of that. Um, and just get in front of these people and say, hey, let me hear your story. How did you do things? Um, how can I do those things and, and actually make them work. Yeah. So many great points that you all tied in there together that, that sort of like, you know, uh, recapped a lot of the main points of today's episode. And I think again, it's just about, you know, as you started off with controlling that narrative. So as we start wrapping up today's episode, we always ask our guests, what's the best piece of career advice that you could offer to the next generation? Yeah, say yes more than you say no. Um, and I say that as a way to push yourself to be more open, um, to open yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, within safety parameters, obviously. Um, I, I, I probably, like I said, wouldn't recommend jumping on a plane and going somewhere that you're like, I haven't done one ounce of research on this country. Um, but just <laughs> even look in your own backyard, right? So much of my experience um, and, and my resiliency, really, of my career has just been based on, okay, career coaching. Never heard of that before. Tell me about it, right? Or podcasting. Super intimidated by that. Let's have a conversation about that. Can we do this, right? And it's just knowing that other people, if they're in a position to help they will. They're usually pretty kind. They're empathetic. Um, and so again, if you're putting out as much as you would like to receive, um, you'll, you'll probably get it. 
Um, so just be open, be honest. Um, it's a journey. <laughs> I know that's very cliche. It is a journey. Um, and like I said, take moments in your life or in your career to take a step back, look at what you've done, um, think about how you feel, like where are you at with your career, where are you at with your personal life, and be intentional with your next steps. Such great advice. Um, I love that so much. And I am very confident that some of our listeners are going to want to reach out to you to hear more about your story, to talk about study abroad, to dive into all of this more. So where can people find you and how should they connect with you? Well, it's shocking, I know, but there's not very many Nadia Ibrahim Taney's with a hyphen in the world. Um, so <laughs> um, Instagram is a great place to find me typically. So at Beyond Discovery Coaching, um, my website, which is beyonddiscoverycoaching.com. And then, of course, LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn probably the most out of any social media platform. Um, and then the old-fashioned email because, again, I am a university professor and we love ourselves a bit of email. Um, so email. <laughs> Instagram DMs are always open. Um, and yeah, whether you're abroad, um, going abroad, interested in going abroad, coming home from being abroad, um, I, I can work with you in, in any capacity. There's so much that people can take away uh, from this particular discussion today. Whether or not you've actually already committed to studying abroad or whether or not you're actually in the contemplation phase, I think you've really, really prepared our listeners well in terms of things that are worth consideration, mm -hmm. how to make the most out of the experience and how to really take yourself to the next level after you get back um, to your uh, your home country. So I think it's it's just incredible. And I did want to give a special shout out to our international listeners. Uh, we do have a pocket of individuals. Uh, from the UK, from Canada, from uh, various countries um, that actually do listen to our podcast because we have the analytics to support it. <laughs> so if you are, <laughs> if you are currently studying from overseas, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, connect with us. Make sure that you are subscribed uh, to wherever you listen to podcasts, be it uh, Google, Spotify, Apple, uh, wherever, and definitely follow us on Instagram if you're not already at Your Career GPS Podcast. So stay tuned for our uh, great content to come. This is Your Career GPS, and your journey awaits. <laughs>